Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Today we turn to quarterbacks as we continue looking back at the results from the 2019 draft. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. Kyler Murray went number one as expected. Daniel Jones, however, surprised many going at six. While Washington, Denver and Carolina all picked a position during the first two days of the draft. Now, neither Paul or I have ever played quarterback, to be fair. And as you can see from my technique on the picture I posted of me on Luskintyre Beach, I'm never going to be a quarterback. So we've got someone a bit more qualified in for an expert opinion. Indeed, we're delighted to be joined once again by World Bowl winning quarterback with the Scottish Claymores and now quarterback coach in Canton, Jim Ballard. Good evening, Jim. Good evening. I appreciate the opportunity back on the show. And we're absolutely delighted to have you, Jim. So thank you for coming on. And, and we just had to get your expertise. As we said at the top of the show there, neither Paul or myself played the game at all, never mind quarterback. So we had to get someone that knows the game in, and you're the very man to do it. So let's kick off right at the very top. Kyler Murray going number one overall out to Arizona under Cliff Kingsbury, new head coach. It was talk of the town. It pretty much felt like a sure thing. Um, were you surprised at all? No, I really wasn't. If you listen to Coach Kingsbury, you know, talk about Kyler Murray, even when he was recruiting him to Texas Tech when he was in high school, you know, Kyler was a guy that that won three state championships in Texas. Uh, he sat behind, you know, Baker Mayfield uh, for some, for a few seasons, and to see what he did last year, I mean, he's a rare talent in his ability to run and make plays. He's a he's he's a lot like Russell Wilson. Yeah. Uh, except he's faster. Uh, you know, he's he was a dynamic player, and you know, I think in Kingsbury's system that you know he really has a chance to be pretty good. There's uh, some wide receivers that they drafted. They drafted the uh, Andy Isabella kid, who's actually an Ohio guy, um, out of UMass in the second round. And then they took uh, uh, the big wide receiver, I think, from Iowa State. So, and you throw in the mix. Uh, that guy named Fitzgerald who's still playing, he's still pretty good. Yeah. So they've got a lot of offensive <laughs> weapons. It's just a matter of, you know, is he going to be able to process and get the ball out, be able to handle an offense, be able to lead guys at, at, an, at an early age? And the one thing I love that Kingsbury is doing is he's made phone calls back to Lincoln uh, Riley at Oklahoma to learn some of the uh, – the verbiage of the offense that he ran so they can implement it in their offense in Arizona so that the learning curve for Kyler is, is shorter. I think that's really smart on Coach Kingsbury's part. And uh, he's he's a tremendous talent. Obviously, he was uh, drafted in the first round. He forfeited $4.6 million with the Oakland, Oakland A's. And, you know, football was his first passion and first love. And I'm excited as anybody to, to see what he does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the interesting thing that seems to be the chat now as well is slightly different and in the case of Kyler Murray he's had that one single season of massive success I mean the numbers that he had in 2018 are absolutely sensational and that is why he's gone number one you take that though where previously the agenda tended to be that they were looking for a quarterback that had years of experience um, how significant do you think it could be for Murray the fact that he has only had that one year. And is it better to take a player that's just had that one season and done it all or focus on a guy that you've maybe seen progression over a number of years? The problem with the quarterback position is, I mean, you can make a case to do either one, yeah. right? It's just such a it's just such a feel and a guess a lot of times. Uh, Kyler started 17 times in college. You know, his total QBR last year was 95.8, which was first in the nation. Uh, I, I really didn't see – let me give you this comparison. I thought that Chicago a couple years ago gave up way too many draft picks to move down in the draft to take Mitchell Trubisky, yeah. who is another Ohio kid, actually. Uh, but Mitchell, if you remember, only had really had the one season in North Carolina as a starter. And they gave up a ton of picks for him. I thought he was really going to struggle. And he had a hell of a year. And um, so you could make the you know, argument, well, you know, Trubisky had a good year. They had a new coach, new offensive system. Uh, you know, they, they didn't put too much on him as far as, you know, trying to win games. And he had a great year. And uh, I think Kyler has the ability to do that as well. They've still got 
Johnson out there who's a running back, so they can run the ball. They got better defensively. Uh, so it's, I think I think he's going to be fine. You know, he, if you listen to the guys that played with him, he's a great teammate. He really puts the time in to study his craft and, and to really uh, get great at the position. And, and that's what it's going to take, especially as a first-year uh, draft pick and first pick of the, of the first round. The expectations are, are so high from everybody else, but it probably won't be higher than what Kyler has for his own, you know, his, his expectations on what he's going to do. So I, I really think he's going to be fine. Um, I just I, I hope that they protect him and, and don't hit him too much too early because I mean you've seen quarterbacks over time that earlier in the career if they just got beat on uh, you know they it, it was a confidence issue you know they started throwing a lot of interceptions and it's really hard to bounce back from that not only Jim if he's got a weakness Kyler Murray what would it be if, if I would you know it's it, you know we're just trying to see. You know, what potentially, if you're going to scheme against him as a defensive coordinator, where might his weakness come? I would say uh, his height and him being able to, to see in certain situations because he is five foot ten. You've got to contain him and not let him get out of the pocket. He's such an athlete. The, the closest athlete I think we've seen to him as far as his speed was Michael Vick when, when Mike Vick came out of Virginia Tech. You know, Kyler's one of those guys that can, you know, rip off a 60, 70-yard run at any time, too. It's like having another running back in, in the backfield who can also throw extremely well and extremely accurate. So, to me, if, if, if you want to try and neutralize him and make it tough on him, you keep him in the pocket, you push the pocket into his face and, and have him struggle to see what's going on downfield and to force him to throw the ball to spots without really knowing what you're throwing the ball to. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson's the player that, you know, you've likened them to. That seems to be the one. I've got a quote here from Russell about his height because I remember there were similar questions about him as well. Russell had said, my height doesn't define my skill set. To be a great quarterback, you have to be a great, you need to have great leadership, great attention to detail and a relentless competitive nature. And I try to bring that on a daily basis. And to be fair to Russell, he does. Um, you know, for yourself from the coaching point of view, if you're working with a quarterback that maybe doesn't have the, the 60, 64 height advantage, what are the things that that quarterback, the smaller guys, what do they need to work on to ensure that they can compete at the top level? You know, just to, just understand, number one, first and foremost, understanding your offense inside and out. You know, understanding exactly what everybody's doing in every play, especially the skill positions guy. And not just, uh, you know, knowing the play, but also knowing the, if it's a, an, an in-breaking or an off-break, if it's an option route, you know, being able to anticipate those kinds of throws based on what you see, you know, from a defense. So first and foremost, you have to know your offense inside and out. Then secondly, when you're able to do that and then really understand the defenses and what they're trying to accomplish and what they're doing to try and neutralize what you do well offensively, well, then we can start, you know, changing some things up and putting ourselves in better positions. If, if, if I see this, I'm going to I'm gonna audible to this. If I see this coverage, I know I'm reading here to here to here. And it's, it's within those first five or five seconds that you, once you break the huddle and you're walking the line of scrimmage and you scan the field, you should have a good idea where you're going. So just being able to be clean from the shoulders up and making good decisions with the football. That's, that's what young quarterbacks need to really work on to, to be great. Yeah, brilliant. Let's move on then to the one that maybe raised the most eyebrows and raised the eyebrows the highest. Um, Daniel Jones going with a sixth pick to the New York Giants. Um, there's been a lot said since that pick has taken place. Dave Gettleman's come out and said that he felt he had to go at six because he wouldn't be there at 17. But I think, you know, the the sort of noise we're hearing from the Giants fan is still one of disbelief and question and they're not really sure that this is the guy. Um, what's your thoughts on his background and his capabilities to be a future star? He is a... I didn't realize how athletic he was until I saw some of his tape. And he's a four-year start guy. He's He's got 37 career starts. He's six foot five, 220 pounds, and he can move. Yeah. He, he tested extremely well at the, at the combine. You know, he's a guy that can really spin it. His career stats aren't, 
you know, like, wow, you know, there's no wow factor with the stats, but you got to remember, too, he did play at Duke. You know, he threw 52 uh, touchdown passes and 29 interceptions, uh, completed around 60% of his passes. Um, but he's a big, tall guy. Uh, I think that he's a really cerebral guy. Obviously, going to Duke, you know, playing and, and going to school there in itself is it says a lot about him. Uh, I think the Giants, you know, saw a lot of Eli Manning in him. You know, and, and, and you guys have seen that he was at Manning's camp for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, and do you think that's what they've done? I, do you think this is a, the most Manning-like replacement? Is it? Are they trying to find like for like with this pick? I think so, and I, I think that they they found a a more athletic Manning is what they did. You know, Eli can't really run. This this kid can run. You yeah. know, in his last his last game, you know, against his arch rival against North Carolina, he he ran for one eighty six and threw for three sixty one. Which I mean, is also you know he's a really tough kid too. Uh, he broke his collarbone in September and he only missed two games. <laughs> so you know, when I I know what that's like to play with a, with a you know a, a torn up shoulder and it's 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 tough. You know, you get hit, you fall on it, and, you know, he's a tough guy. He played a long time, and uh, was I surprised that, that the Giants didn't take Haskins? Yeah, of course I was. But they must feel like this guy is is their guy, and you know what? It, the time will tell how, how it's going to play out. Do you feel that Eli's been a little bit harshly treated in the last couple of years, given the fact that, you know, he's won two Super Bowls, you know, he had that wonderful run of games broken up, of course, by Geno Smith. Do you think he's being harshly treated or has his play merited the criticism that's come his way? I thought if you look at Eli's statistic last year, he had a really good season, and, and that's what the general manager and, and the coaches are saying. You know, it, what else could we ask him to do? You know, there was a lot of, you know, issues with Odell and, you know, losing, and, but Eli played, he had, a, he had a really good season. And, um, you know, it's it's still his team until it's not. He's he's been there. He's experienced. You know, hopefully they you know they're putting better pieces around him in the off season to help him. You know, I'm not sure. You know, it's it's going to be tough uh, losing. Odell Beckham Jr. Of course, yeah, which yeah. that doesn't hurt my feelings because he's in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like him and Baker and Lander together. That doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Danny's my son's favorite player too. Yeah. He's, he's got fat head stuff all over his room. So for he's he's being with the Browns is he's pretty happy. Yeah, but no, he, he's uh you know Eli had a good year last year, and um you know he's had an unbelievable career. I mean last year he he had a, a rating of ninety two point four. You know and he threw for forty three hundred yards, twenty one touchdowns, eleven interceptions. I mean that that's a solid season. Yeah, sometimes the narrative that the press or the media are pushing kind of gets in the way um, of the actual performance. It'll be interesting to see. Now, you mentioned Dwayne Haskins. Eli's going to see him because he's been drafted by the Redskins. Do you see him as a week one starter, Dwayne Haskins? I, I do. Uh, you know, there's so much uncertainty in Washington in the quarterback position. Uh you know, they traded for Alex Smith. Alex is coming off a, a horrific leg injury. Then they sign, they uh, start Colt McCoy, who I, I, I still think is a pretty good player. He gets hurt. You know, then they bring in a guy that was in the AAFL, and he comes in his first game, and he, he lights it up, and then he gets a first start, and he starts. I can't remember the kid's name. Uh, yeah, he went Josh, Johnson. Johnson. Josh Johnson. Yeah, Josh Johnson. Uh, so it, it's, it's going to be, you know, pretty much him and uh, – Haskins and I think Haskins has taken a lot of reps. What I've seen uh, interview wise from Coach Gruden is he's really happy with what Haskins has done. I've had a chance to watch Dwayne a lot, being an Ohio guy and watching Ohio State. He is a unbelievable talent. You know what he did in his one year as a starter was really impressive. Uh, the one thing that I was real impressed even before he was the starter for him to come in against Michigan and play well the year before and you know they ended up beating them and you know last year they really opened the offense up and you know he had 14 career starts he had a QB rating of 86.3 which is fourth um he's a big big strong guy he's not too mobile uh 
which he needs to get a little bit more athletic. He needs, I think, he needs to trim up a little bit. I think he's got still got some uh, little baby fat going on. He kind of reminds me of Cardale Jones, except he's better. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Washington will be grateful to hear that you think he's better. In terms of of Haskins, I mean. The quarterbacks, if if you are picked so high, you're almost expected to go in and start. So you've got to have. You mentioned that with Haskins, you've got to have the intelligence to get the whole system quickly. And from what we're seeing, people indicate that Haskins has the smarts to play the position. He does, and he made so many good decisions last year. I mean, Ohio State was loaded with with weapons. Well, I mean, the, the receivers that they had, you know, and then they, they you know, Washington drafted McLaren, so, I mean, there's that comfort level for Dwayne to line up and have a guy that you played with. Uh, you see, you still have Adrian Peterson, who's still pretty damn good, so you can play action pass with AP to bring that safety down, and now you got a receiver like McLaren to blow the top off. Uh, Gruden is one of those guys that is a great offensive coach. Uh, I think that he'll give Dwayne as much as he can handle and not try and make him do too much too early. Uh, their defense is pretty good. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, you know him really being able to, to to soak up the system and, as I keep saying, really understand the offense because the game's going to be so fast. The defenses are fast. You know the things that they're doing is different from college. Uh, so there's that feeling of you know just you know like being in a spaceship and asteroids and, and stuff are just flying by the ship. And I mean that's that's how it is in the, in the NFL the first year and. Uh, but I think he's going to be fine. He's a competitor, um, and he can make every throw. There isn't a throw he can't make, and he can throw with touch too. Not just from A to B on a, on a thirty yard line, but I mean he can he can throw the touch balls. What's interesting for me is that obviously he's going to go up against the Giants. I, I just wonder for the Giants that if Daniel Jones doesn't work out, you know, not only will they be the, the club that passed on Sam Darnold one year, but they'll be the club that passed on Dwayne Haskins the next year. Does that put any extra pressure on Daniel Jones to succeed? I hope for his sake that Eli starts in his last year of his contract. He learns from Eli, learns how to be a pro, learns how to, you know, you know, just do the day-to-day stuff on how to prepare and um, you know, then I, I think once I, I really think Eli's going to start until he doesn't. I think if, if if Eli plays well and steady like he did last year, they won't look to make a change. But if they come out and Eli plays really poorly, you know, you're probably going to see Jones a lot earlier than uh, than later. Yeah, absolutely, and um, and it's it's an interesting one as well when you look to the next guy who comes out, and Drew Locke, who ends up at the Broncos. Um, Another one who's probably going to sit uh, year one. Uh, But there was chat that Drew might well go in the first round, so the Broncos would be delighted to get him when they got him. He's another one that's had some impressive numbers and some great seasons. Yeah, he has. He's he's a guy that's that's very experienced. Uh, He has 46 career starts. His QBR was 82, which was sixth. Uh, he's a big guy, at six six foot three, two hundred and twenty eight pounds. Uh, so some of the things that they're they're saying that they're knocking him is that against a really higher level teams like your Alabama, your Florida, South Carolina, you know he had seven turnovers and just one touchdown pass. So I mean some of that stuff. You know, you'd have to go back and look at the film. You know, was it, was it his fault? Was he fortunate? Were they down? Um, but he's got a good one to learn from. And uh, Joe Flacco. You know, Flacco's been around for years. He's a Super Bowl winner. Uh, I believe I saw the other day that, that Locke will start as number two. So I think he's going to be able to sit back and really learn from uh, Joe. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a good system. You know, they got that running back who came out of nowhere last year that ran for over a thousand yards. So I mean they're they're gonna be pretty good. Yeah. But I don't I don't see Locke starting this year. No. And it's an interesting one as well. I don't know if you've seen the comments as well that Joe Flacco 
you know, last year, of course, Lamar Jackson was taken in the first round. Joe Flacco appeared very much to kind of throw his toys out of the pram and was quite outspoken about the fact that he had no intentions of focusing any of his time on training this guy up. He was focusing on his job, which was the starting quarterback. Year on, he's moved on from the Ravens having lost that job. And now once again, uh, a player's been taken, you know, at the top of the second round. Uh, and again, he's come out and sort of said, you know, my job here isn't to train this guy. I'm here to be the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos. How much of that do you think is him just putting out that message to solidify his position? Um, or does something like that disappoint you as a coach to see maybe that kind of closed off approach from a senior pro? Uh, it's, it's one of those subjects that's, that's tough, to, that's touchy. You know, you read about that with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You know, the same thing with Ben Roethlisberger. They say the same thing. I'm not here to make you guys better. I'm not here to help you one day take my job. You know, figure it out like I did. But then there's other places where, you know, guys are, are sometimes on rosters like Kellen Moore who was with the Cowboys for a long time. And Kellen was there because he was such a tremendous coach with with some of the younger guys that were there like Dak Prescott. And, and if you look, they Dallas cut Kellen Moore during the season and they immediately signed him as a offensive uh, consultant, I believe, in, in some capacity. And then he ends up being the offensive coordinator this year. So, you know, there's examples that way. But, you know, Joe, I think, is pretty salty about what happened in Baltimore. Um, and he's a guy that's, you know, towards the end of his career. And, you know, he wants to, you know, have another shot to try and get back and win that Super Bowl. And, you know, I think he feels that he can uh, with, with, with John Elway and the uh, roster that they're putting together. I mean, that's one, and we'll talk about this more when the season is a, a bit closer to starting, but it's a really tough division now, that AFC West. There's four very good teams in that setup. Yeah, it's, it's it's you know, and what's what's the Raiders going to do? I mean, they, they can only get better yeah. from what they did last year. I mean, they, they dismantled that team, and, you know, now you got Antonio Brown, you got Derek Carr. Uh, you know, I thought that they had a pretty good draft. I can't remember all their draft picks, but uh, that's going to be a, a competitive team. You know, look what Philip Rivers is still doing in the twilight of his career. You know, almost 37, 38 years old, first ballot Hall of Famer, still playing at an extremely high level. Yeah. Uh, coming off of, I believe they won one or two playoff games last year. Um, they're going to be right in the thick of it, too. And then, like you said, there's there's Denver and a Seattle in that, in that division. Or is it just those four? Yeah, just the four of them, um, and that's it. I mean, it's a, it's a tough division. They're all tough divisions, but it's it's one that perhaps you know a couple of years ago the Chiefs were kind of cruising that the Chargers haven't moved were right. thereabouts. The Bronco were going through the changes at quarterback. They couldn't quite find the guy, um, and the Raiders have kind of been a bit of a shambles over the last couple of years. But it does feel like they're they're all teams on the up, and actually the team that might be sliding back down a little bit because they did so well last year, could well be the Chiefs. So, I mean, it's a fascinating story. What what Mahomes did last year was just incredible. And, you know, he's he's such a rare talent. Uh, He, I think the best way to describe him is he is a combination of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Right, okay. (laughs) I I think Brett had one of the strongest arms, which so does Mahomes. But he also has the ability to contort his body and throw from any arm slot like Rodgers can. That, that's, that is so hard to do, but he's so flexible in his hips and in, in his core that he's able to drop his shoulder down or fall to the left and throw it 25 yards back across his body on the line. I mean, he does things that, you know, as a quarterback coach, you're like, no, yes, great play. <laughs> you know, but only – Two or three of those guys can make those kinds of throws, and he's just—he—he's one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch play. I really enjoyed watching him play. You know, he's—he's he's in an offensive system with with uh, oh god, the coach has been there forever. Brain farting on his name. Um, Andy Reid. Is that Andy, Andy Reid? Yeah. Who's who's a quarterback developer? I mean, that, that's what he's done throughout his whole career. And uh, he's got a good one. And yeah. I'm curious to see what, what plays out with the Tyreek Hill situation. Uh, I don't know if he'll be suspended or not. You know, the, it seems to be a lot of backtracking, you know, from him and his fiance. who knows. But 
that's that's an issue in the offseason. If you take him out, if you notice too, and I can't remember the receiver they took, but they took a guy that's exactly like him. Yeah. And I think the second or third round. Jim, can I ask you about you you mentioned Patrick Mahomes and how he can throw from all these different positions. I presume that's something that's almost unteachable. You need somebody that can do that, or can you teach somebody to do that? Or is it just something that somebody comes in and has got the ability and you can fine-tune that? You can you can practice making some of those throws. He's a guy that, you know, he was such a good baseball player. So he, you know, played shortstop and second and, and positions where you just try to get the ball out of your glove as quickly as you can if you turn on a double play. And you see him playing like a baseball player at times. He's so unbelievable that he can just drop his arm and, and literally throw around defenders, yeah. or elevate his arm, or, or, or shit, flip, switch the ball to his left hand and throw it left-handed, or throw a no-look pass. I mean, who, who the hell does that? Their first year just throws for fifty touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just an, an extraordinary player, and it, if you listen to him talk, and we're talking about some of the rookies. He was a guy who got to sit behind Alex Smith. And Alex Smith, he really learned a lot from him. And then he applied what he learned sitting behind Alex and the way that he played. And he did an exceptional job for a first-year starter of not turning the ball over very much and throwing so many touchdown passes. And as much as he throws the ball down the field, too. And he's not one of those guys that will just keep checking the ball down for a high percentage and you know no reward. I mean, he puts the ball down the field. He'll, he'll throw it. You know, I don't know what his percentage is, but they push it down the field. Jim, as a, as a starting quarterback, as a rookie in the NFL, is it fair to say that some coaches almost ask of the quarterback for them to go out and don't lose the game? Is that is that fair? Yeah, that is fair. I, I think it's don't, you know, when you have an opportunity to make a play, make it. If not, be smart. Try and end every drive with a kick. And if you think about that, if you're ending a drive with a kick, you're either punting it or a field goal or an extra point. So if you're doing those things and you're not turning the ball over, especially in the NFL, if you turn the ball over less than your opponents in the NFL, you win over 91% of your games. So you have to be smart when you decide to take chances. You have to understand where you're at on the field. Meaning if you're in the red zone, don't force the ball unless the, guy, unless the guy's wide open be disciplined enough to throw it away. And some guys just, they can't do it. Yeah. Deshaun Kaiser played with the Browns a couple years ago, right? Yep. He, he turned the ball over nine times in the red zone. And the following year, they canned him and they sent him off. I, if, if one of my quarterbacks that I teach in high school would have turned it over half that many times in the red zone, I would have broke my knee off in their butt. <laughs> just don't do it. You just, you just tell yourself, I'm not going to throw a pick. I'm not going to take a sack. I'm going to throw the ball away. I'm going to check the ball down. And I'm going to be smart. And you talk about Alex Smith there. And actually, you know, as a 49er fan myself, he's a player that I watched a lot as a quarterback. And he, he, he didn't have the sort of sexy throws that Mahomes had but the one thing that he did have was he didn't turn over the ball a lot and you know looking back over his stats you go back to sort of 2011 and um, since then he's started at least a minimum of nine games every single season and he's not had double digit interceptions in any of those you know you go back to 2010 where he had 10 interceptions but he is a player that looked after the ball. That's something that obviously you've touched on the fact Mahomes has picked up on. But for Dwayne Haskins, even though Alex Smith is injured and not really going to be out in the field that much, uh, or in practice even, um, he's still someone who can educate and share some of that knowledge. And is that a big factor for the future success of Dwayne Haskins? Absolutely. There's no question about it. To have, to have a guy like Alex Smith in the room with all his experience as a starter and you know, being in different offenses, playing for guys like Andy Reid, uh, or not Andy Reid, uh, Shanahan. Uh, he's been with some great coaches, and, and Rick Reid in, in Kansas City. And uh, he's he's a good player. I, I remember watching watching him play for you know even as a young player. He just he just did a great job of of leading the team. You know, he's a good guy. He's a good locker room guy. He's a guy that you know, as the face of the franchise, he's, he's a community guy. So to, to be able to, 
have all those experiences and do it at such a high level for Haskins to have that guy around is, is a huge, huge thing. And Alex will be one of those guys that will mentor him and will help him get better. Jim, let's talk about another potential mentoring situation. Let's go to the NFC South. And as always in the NFC South, it's the battle to see who can finish second to the New Orleans Saints. So (laughs) I want to talk about Will Greer going to the Panthers. Is Cam Newton the mentoring kind? I think think at this point he is. Uh, I think Cam is secure enough in what he's done as a player that he's not worried about Greer coming in and taking his job. I think that he's a guy that's had some injuries, so I think that they're going to want to make sure that, that Greer is one of those guys that that really learns a lot and um, gets some reps. I mean, he's he's a good player. I had a chance to watch him quite a bit. He's he's cagey. He's uh, 6'2", 221, 27 career starts. Uh, put up big numbers in two seasons, 76 total touchdowns. Um, he really can. He, he he has a strong arm. Um, I think I think he's pretty good. I think I think he has a chance to be pretty good. Uh, I think that again, Cam will help him a lot uh, because I think again, Cam is secure enough that he's the guy. He's been the guy. He's gonna be the guy. See, I find that quite interesting that, you know, they almost fall into two different camps. As you say, you've got the Brett Favre uninterested and and other players who are more interested. Is that potentially a sign of a future coach, a quarterback that is willing and secure in his own ability uh, to to mentor someone else? Does that give off an indication that there might be a pathway to coaching? Uh, Yeah, possibly for some some of these guys. I mean, I think... You know, when we're talking about guys like, you know, Favre and Rodgers and Roethlisberger, I think once those, those guys are done, they're done. Right. They're, they're not looking to get back in and grind out a, you know, 18-hour day as a coach. I mean, what those coaches do compared to what the players do is it's so mentally taxing. Their days are so long. I got a really good friend who uh, just signed a, a contract extension to be – he was the uh, tight ends coach with the uh, New England Patriots, Nick Cayley. Uh, he just said it's just an unbelievable grind what they do, and for him, I mean, he he was one of the he's he's a great story. He uh, he did six grad assistantships in college because he couldn't get a full time job, and then he finally got a full time job down in uh, I think at Florida Atlantic. He was there one season, and then New, uh, New England called. He interviewed, and he ended up getting hired, and he's been there I think for his fourth or fifth year. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? it? It's about perseverance, isn't it? Even as a coach, I mean, we see it as a player, it's about perseverance, but you're just looking to get that little break somewhere that, that might just go your way. Yeah, you, I, it, it's exactly like that. And there's so many, uh, you know, there's there's so many cliques of coaches that one guy gets one guy gets hired, all his buddies are coming with him. So it's just, you just got to get a little bit lucky. And uh, there is a huge... Uh, a huge line from John Carroll to New England. John Carroll's uh, a Division three school like Mount Union. They're in the same conference where I went to school. There's, I believe, five or six guys in New England's organization that have gone to John Carroll. Oh. Yeah, so it's partly who you know as well. Yeah. Networking, I it, suppose it's important. Yeah, that- it definitely helps. Uh, matter of fact, Josh McDaniels is, is from Canton. I talked to his. I, I I send messages with his dad probably once once every couple of weeks. His dad was a legendary high school head coach. Right. Okay. Uh, so so uh, you know you sometimes hear of that. You know the the families. You know the the son follows in the the father's footsteps. It, is it a family business across so many so many places? In in Northeast Ohio, it, it, a lot of times it is. Northeast Ohio puts on a ton of really good players, but they also put out a ton of really good coaches. You know, some of the hottest coaches in, in college football right now are, are Northeast Ohio guys. Matt Campbell is a Mount Union guy. Jason Candle is a Mount Union guy at Toledo. Mike Yersich, who's the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, or excuse me, 
quarterback coach and pass game coordinator at Ohio State as a kid that I coached at Mount Union for two years before I uh, got picked up. You know, Nick Sirianni from the Indianapolis Colts is a Mount Union guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm starting to really make a head road, you know, headway into college football. But in Northeast Ohio, there's a lot of guys. Uh, if their dad's coach, they coach. And Coach McDaniel is his other son is the quarterback coach at Michigan. And obviously Josh has been, you know, with New England for a really long time. He was with Denver. So a lot of, a lot of coaches out of Northeast Ohio. A whole bit. bit of talent. Um, brilliant. Right, before we wrap up this sort of draft stuff then, if we were to say to you, you know, you got to pick one of these five, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Will Greer. Which one of those five is going to be the most successful in the NFL? And that's over his career. Career? Yeah. Tough question. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Kyler. I think he just has it. Yeah. I just think he has it. I think there. I think he's a lot like Russell, in the way he prepares, the way he, the way he spins it, the way he can run, the way he can extend plays. He's just going to have to – I think he's going to struggle early because of the people that are around him. I'm not sure how good that offensive line is going to be, but they've got some skilled guys for sure. They're just young, so it might take him a little bit. But I think he's – I think he has really has a chance to be pretty great. Excellent. Jim, Jim, that takes us nicely into the man he's replaced at Arizona, uh, Josh Rosen. Your number one pick in the draft, you know, you go into a franchise, you're that – face of the franchise, you start the games and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're yesterday's news and you're getting punted to Miami. Is that a good landing spot for him? I think it's a great landing spot for him. Uh, you know, there's no clear-cut guy there. You know, you got Ryan Fitzpatrick out of Harvard who's been doing it a long time. Uh, I think he's, he's going to help... Josh learn a lot because Fitz has been with so many teams and so many offenses and he's played for so long and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see that QB battle play out I think Josh is going to end up being the starter I think if Fitz does start it'll be like it was last year you know like three or four games and then you know he'll have a blow up game and you know probably end up being back on the bench he's not he's not a season starter guy I don't think I think he's one of those guys he's a great backup where if you need him for you know four or five six games he, he can get it done for you we're just we'll have to see what josh does in Miami, but it's a great system and it's a great opportunity for him for sure and it almost turns around the the rumors that were coming out of miami that they were prepared to tank if if such a thing is possible in the nfl or not try too hard if they've now got josh rosen that's a sign that they can actually start to to build and and stock up and and see where they can go yeah, there's no question. And, you know, Buffalo's put together some, some pretty good draft classes the last few years. You still have the New England Patriots who've won, what, 12 or 13 straight conference titles, or division titles, I should say. Uh, so it's, Miami's got their work cut out for them. Uh, it's, a, it's a good conference or a good division, and uh, they're going to have to battle. There's going to be some really good games. Brilliant. Right. Jim, while we've got you, we put a note out on Twitter as well saying that you'd be on here to talk about quarterbacks and we asked for people to share their questions. So I'm going to chuck a few of these at you uh, and see what you think. Billy got in touch first of all. He wanted to say that he was at Murrayfield for that World Bowl game. Uh, he thought you and the whole team played absolutely amazing. Um, he, he says he'd love to know what the feeling was like in the team that season, but also asks what your thoughts are on the possibility of a future British Franchise within the NFL. Uh, part one, uh, it was such a, a special season. Uh, it was really frustrating for me at times because I, I really thought that I outplayed Steve Matthews in the preseason. But the problem for me was I wasn't allocated with an NFL contract, so I had to just sit back and wait until we didn't play well, or he didn't play well, or he got hurt. Uh, for, fortunately for for him and me, he did sustain an injury, but it wasn't anything serious. It was just enough to knock him out. Yeah. <laughs> so, so selfishly, I could get on the damn field. Week eight against Amsterdam, I came out and played well, and then I ended up getting a start against London, and we won. And 
you know, we went into week 10. I still remember I had my best game as a, as a pro against Kelly Holcomb in Barcelona. We ended up losing 32-27. But we played extremely well offensively. Uh, our defense had played so well during the course of the year. Uh, we were running the ball well. Uh, we had Paul McCollum, who's got a, a, a CFL Hall of Famer. Uh, so we're feeling good about the plan, feeling good about what we're going to do. We got the fumble to start the game on the kickoff. That was great. Our defense created turnovers. Uh, we overcame the uh, the injury to the offensive MVP of the league, Sean LaChapelle. That was you know a huge thing. Yo and I had really started developing chemistry the, the previous two weeks or three weeks before the World Bowl. And, man, some of the catches he made, it's just you, you scratch your head and it's just, wow. He had an unbelievable ball game. We put it together. Our defense ended up getting a stop when it looked like Frankfurt was going to move the ball down the field. And to win on the Madden roll. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, I've, I've seen a lot of games. I've never seen a game that, that ended like that one since then you know that was 23 years ago so it's just it was so special and the best part was we just had such tremendous fan support all year and to put it all together and to win in murray field was just spectacular and just an unbelievable feeling that i'll, I'll never forget brilliant what was part two i had a question what's your thoughts about a possible uk-based franchise in the nfl Right. I, I, I think it's going to happen. You know, the NFL is looking to expand their brand. I don't know how it would work from a logistics standpoint uh, with, with travel and, you know, a 17-18 game schedule or 17-week schedule. Uh, that's that's for the uh, commissioner who makes $45 million a year to come up with. I think with all that money he makes, he should be able to come up with something relatively smart and uh, to make it work. But we're you know, the NFL is, is, is always looking to, you know, play in, in Europe every year. Uh, the, the, the support has been really strong, and I, I, I see it happening. I really do. Brilliant. So someone else made an observation while you're here, though, as well. Scott Lund got in touch to say that when you were in Scotland, Dunkin' Donuts was a common sight, but when you left, we couldn't get them anymore. Was the presence of Dunkin' Donuts in Scotland directly attributed to the presence of Jim Ballard? I don't. I don't remember going to Dunkin' a lot because I, I, I don't drink coffee. Yeah, I still don't drink coffee. So I, if I was there, you know what it was for? I was, I was smashing down some glazed donuts or some, some cream sticks, man. <laughs> and that's it. Obviously, the business dried up when she went away, and off they went, and never to be seen again. Um, Colin Brady got in touch. He wants to know, you know, post. Gronk retiring, how effective can the Patriots offense be? Especially if they're going to go in heavy on fullback and a couple of running backs, you know, uh, two wide receivers, but with Sony, Rex, James White and Harris all running and catching passes. Are they going to have to completely change their system now that Gronk's no longer involved? No, I don't think so. They're, Josh McDaniels does such an unbelievable job of creating new schemes and concepts. He's a master of getting everybody involved. If you look at what the Patriots have done, they, they haven't had a true marquee wide receiver since Randy Moss. That's not to take anything away from any of those guys that have been catching passes for him, but I mean, think about that. It's been Gronk, who's been unbelievable. Then they've had, you know, the running, they utilize the running backs. Brady is, is a guy that will, will not hold the ball. He, he can't run. He ran a 5-6-40 in college, and I mean, he's, he never gets sacked. And that's because he understands the offense and he checks the ball down immediately if he doesn't like what he sees. So he spreads it around. You got Edelman in the slot. They drafted some some new guys, and I'm sure that they're whatever they're going to do offensively, they're going to be just fine because you have the goat until you don't. He's what he does and continues to do at the level that he does at his age is, is it's incredible. It's one of those things in sports we're all very lucky to see, and for him to to not only win six. But play, play in nine? Yeah. To play in nine. I mean, Marino only went to one. Yeah. yeah. Nine. <laughs> On the back of that, Charles that's involved with the podcast here actually asked a, a question as well. Um, he wanted to know, do you think that the traditionalist um, sort of concept of a quarterback being a pocket passer, uh, is that type of quarterback now sort of dead and undesirable? Is the likes of Brady the last of the generation of that type of player 
are we now moving to a higher expectation of the quarterbacks being much more athletic, much more multi-talented, and that sort of Swiss Army knife of capability? Uh, I think I think yes and no. If if you look at the guys that are the best every year, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. You know, you got to talk about Roethlisberger. Uh, I'm missing Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell's probably the most athletic of all those guys, but he is a passer first. Yeah. Uh, the the guys that that can throw the ball accurately are the guys that usually win. Uh, look, look at the Super Bowls. You know, Jared Jared Goff is athletic, but he's he's not. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that it's, it's really the trend. I think it's the trend in college because there's so many RPOs and looking to get the quarterback on the edge. I think there's more of that in college than the NFL. But I think traditionally, for the most part, the guys that can throw the ball in the pocket are guys that are, are playing at a high level and win a lot of games. Is there a longevity issue of the type of quarterback you're talking about that colleges are are developing you know Lamar Jackson I mean if he keeps getting pounded as he was getting pounded surely you know that could take years of his career yeah there's no question uh, Cam Newton yeah he's he's dealt with a lot of injuries you know RG3 is was that kind of quarterback Michael Vick suffered a lot of injuries because he was trying to run too much you have you have to be smart and you see a lot of guys slide, a lot of guys get down, and that, that, that's just a business decision. I, I tell all my quarterbacks that, too. If, if you can eliminate three or four hits a game over the course of a 10-game season, you're talking about 40 or 50 times that you might have gotten hit that you didn't. Yeah. And it's really, you know, a lot of guys can, are able to do that. Favre was a master at, at being able to throw the ball and fall away and never get really hit. That's why he played as long as he does. You just have to be smart to to manage those those types of things but yeah no question if you're a runaround guy sooner or later you're gonna get hurt guys are bigger stronger faster and it only takes one time as we've seen no absolutely right final question that we've got then is actually from jamie morrison who was a quarterback for the Edinburgh wolves here in Edinburgh. he's actually moved out to the czech republic to play uh, semi-professionally in the leagues out there but he wanted to ask a point about systems and how important the system is given that we've seen the Cardinals have moved on from Rosen to Murray after only a year, mainly he reckons because they've decided to change their system under Kingsbury. We've heard a lot about air raid, obviously there's West Coast and all these different offensive schemes. I guess the thing is, how important is it that you get the right quarterback for the right system and how hard is it for the players that aren't getting moved on, that have played under a different scheme last year, having to completely rip it up and start again for 2019? It's a, it's, a, it's a great question. I can answer that question by talking about Mount Union and, and the history of, of what we've done the last 25 or 30 years. You, you know, you had a guy like me, 6'4", 220 pounds. We threw, the, we threw the ball like crazy. Then we had a, a different kind of quarterback after me where they, they rolled him out. And then they had a different quarterback and so on and so on and so on. The, the success of Mount Union has always been because they've taken the system and, and first and more, foremost, build it around the quarterback, but also the other supporting pieces. Hmm. Uh, you, it is a must to be successful offensively, to not force a system on a quarterback, but to build around the strengths of what the quarterbacks can do. Uh, for the guys that uh, are there that are left over, that ran another system last year, I don't think it's a big deal because they were only in that system for you know for a couple years. So it's, it's, it's not really a big deal, I don't think. And uh, they've got enough experienced veterans like you know, Larry Fitzgerald that can really take that wide receiver core and really help them develop. Yeah, and Larry Fitzgerald's probably relearned that whole playbook six or seven times in his career. So I suppose it won't be anything new for him. No, I agree. Um, no, it's fascinating and it's actually one that we might well speak to you again about because I think the whole offensive system is something that you hear a lot about but for you know those of us in the UK that don't grow up with the game are perhaps not as familiar with the detail as some of these schemes um, and I thought Jamie, I agree with you, I thought it was a really good question Jamie put forward there and it's a really fascinating uh, topic when you start looking at the schemes and the pieces around it, it does help you understand why certain players work in certain places and in other areas it, it just doesn't seem to come off of them. 
question. It's it's just you got to have a system around your players, uh, and you got to have a good quarterback. I mean, at the end of the day, it, the league is is not a run first league anymore. It's 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 set up to score points for ratings, and to do to make that happen, you got to have a guy that can throw the ball around the yard a lot. And a lot of these teams are doing that, with the exception of Baltimore, which. I think that's why Baltimore is so limited. I don't think Lamar Jackson. What they're doing with him is, I don't. I don't think he's going to make it. I don't think he's good enough, a good enough passer right now to to really do much and, and take them where they want to go. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Very last question. Then there's a Scotsman landed in your state. Um, at your team uh, with the, at the Browns, obviously the Scottish Hammer Jamie Gillen. Has there been much buzz around um, Canton, Ohio, about the the Scottish Hammer? Not, not really. I don't think anybody knows. I, I, I noticed them. It was, it was funny because I, I read, I saw him on Twitter or something, and I, so I started checking him out. I was like, damn, the guy's got a cannon for a leg. <laughs> and then he ends up signing with the Browns. So I hope he really gets a, a, a good shot. He's a punt. He's a punter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Punter and kicker, or just a punter. It's both. He, he can do both. I mean, that, that's what he, he did I, at I college. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, I think with, with it, if you've got an unbelievable punter, you can you can consistently and constantly flip the field. It's a huge, especially in Cleveland with with the wind coming off the lake. So I, I really hope he does well. I'd love to see a Scottish guy make it. So I'm going to be out of training camp uh, this year. I got a really good friend who just got hired as a media media specialist. Excellent. We'll have to use that contact. <laughs> So what does yeah, that mean? I, You're going to get a chance to go in and see a lot more? I'm, I'm going to go to training camp this year for sure. Brilliant. Right, I keep saying final question. This is the last one, Jim. When are you coming to Scotland for a pint? Uh, I need to get back out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get there. Is the velvet room still open? <laughs> well, if it's not, there's loads of places yeah. we can take you. We, we can lead you astray anywhere in Edinburgh. Don't you worry, Jim. Uh, I'm sure... I'm sure I would, I would love it. Superb. Thank you again, Jim. It's been brilliant to hear from you. Fascinating stuff again. And we really appreciate your time. Anytime. Anytime you want me to do the show, I love talking ball with you guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Jim. We've had some great feedback from people who've listened to the podcast when you've been on and really, really enjoyed what you've had to say. So it's been great having you back on. Much appreciated. Well, that concludes things then for episode 51. We hope you've enjoyed listening. And again, we'd love to hear your feedback, good and bad. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash ScotlandNFL. Thanks to all of you who have been listening, sharing and chatting about the podcast. The numbers continue to grow each week. Please do keep sharing the podcast, though, with all your NFL friends. Continues to let us know what you think of the podcast. Thanks again to Jim Ballard. We love having him on the pod. Hopefully we'll be hearing again from him very soon. We'll be back again soon as well after months of reflection, deliberation on the shambolic call in New Orleans. Am I over it yet? Not quite. We are still seeking therapy on that. We'll be back though. Enjoy your football however you can get it. And until then, bye for now.